and welcome back to another edition of Indie Apocalypse Radio. I'm remain your steadfast host, Andrew, the ever present, ever really the only present part, the ever present, the only consistent, the the the, the through line to Indie Apocalypse because I put it together. Indie Apocalypse, of course, being the uh, what's it called? What the hell do you call this thing? Uh, a bundle? Of, it's a bundle. It's not like the bundle. It's your monthly anthology of alternative games. Now in the in the ever coveted physical edition that the gamers crave, is it? A, it's just a USB stick. You can put in anything. It's the beauty. Like <laughs> USB sticks, they're great things. You put data on it, and you can just put them in our computer. And everything we can turn into data. Why would you ever want something in your switch when you can just put it in your computer? It's a the fact that we still have <laughs> locked off consoles is very silly. Could you imagine if it was like that with music players or movie players or books? It would be so silly and make no sense. But games are a ridiculous medium, and I hate them. Uh, but speaking of games, listen, this time we have a few more game developers, uh, uh, we have, but not all game developers, listen, let's not get too crazy by more game developers, I mean one, but before that we have one, uh, writer who you may know from, where, where, where would you say is your primary, uh, freelance haunt, is it, uh? Hello. I a couple of places. I do VG twenty four seven, which is more of a UK outlet, and occasionally a bit of news on Gamespot. Perfect. And that is that is B speaking. Hello, B. Hi, I'm B. Hi. Uh, Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I had a couple of chips, uh, the the United States variety, and of course, of course, <laughs> I'm ready to go. It's it's important things. Listen, I've. I have a long-standing uh, history on the show of a mild obsession with uh, the idea of uh, picking. I forget now. I forget what it's called, but the idea of the Tesco picks or whatever. So there is like a, a certain. You talking about like our, our Tesco meal deals? Yes, like the... Tesco meal deals. I've had, I've talked. We're right. not going to get into it because I've talked at length on the show about Tesco meal deals before, and I. As a as a long-standing fan of the Arizona 99-cent can, and an advocate for it even, I feel like I would be too into a Tesco meal deal. But... Yeah, an institution for sure. It's, it's, it's the kind of thing I would go to. Like, when I travel, that's the kind of thing I like to do, is eat at uh, the, the plain places, you know? I do, I do. When I can, when my hotel is like connected to like a grocery store, I like. One, I think the last place I went to, I walked over like across the street to like a. Like, what do I? What am I gonna get for food? I'm gonna go to the Walmart or whatever and get. A pie, it's a lot cheaper. They'll give you a way cheaper, yeah. And it gives you it gives you a taste of the local Walmart as opposed to your own Walmart. Yes, they'll give you like a whole ass pie. (laughs) You could just take it back to your hotel room. I got frozen dinners, and it's like, what a deal. Uh, but anyway, I'm we're here, and I've got to ask you the most important question, the number one indie apocalypse question, which is, uh, I think this, I think this applies, uh, which is, how did you hear about indie apocalypse? 
Uh, it's a hell site now for obvious reasons, but it was through Twitter. I, I could not tell you, but it's, someone would have retweeted it onto yes. my timeline. I saw your little avatar. I saw the name Indiepocalypse and thought, oh, that's fun. And just fell in love with it very quickly. My, my very professional little avatar. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's charming, I think. Yeah. And it, it, it won me over quite quickly, especially with pizza pranks. You know, you can't go wrong with a, with a username like that. Thank you. I, I forget sometimes because it's been around for so long that it says big asshole on it. <laughs> I, I don't think I noticed that. Yes, it's one of those fun little secrets when you like click on it to be broader, and the T-shirt just says "big asshole." But uh, nice. Uh, yeah, because somehow you had evaded my my laser sights of the other three hundred and eighty people who anyone who else has broadly written about games in the slightest has been, you know, uh, for a period there was bombarded by roughly every email I could give them, you know. Yeah, but then I—I I, I mean, I've only been around uh, in the industry for for a couple of years, so I'm still I'm still new, arguably, as a writer right. compared to some other people that have been around for a while longer. Well, and some of them aren't even around anymore, you know. <laughs> I like, do, I do. <laughs> I've thought about like uh, if I have an upcoming project that is like more important that I like, let's dust off the old press contacts list, and it's probably like a graveyard. Yeah, I it's it's dropping like flies, particularly with all the layoffs that have been happening. So it's kind of like, uh, uh, you know, you either <laughs> you either become a PR rep for a game company, or like you live long as long enough for yourself to become a variety streamer. It seems like the two all... the two options, pretty much. Right. Even if you're working for a company, it seems like all companies are skewing towards like we don't do critics, we do uh, variety streaming. It's just uh, yeah. It's it's you gotta get gotta, gotta get those personalities which make up those YouTube channels, those Twitch channels. Imagine uh, film critics, and all they can do is uh, react to trailers. It feels like the equivalent of what game develop game critics are being kind of forced into to get in order to get paid. It's a it's a sad little uh, state of affairs, but it's a it's a weird thing, you know. Uh, it's i'm realizing more that it's like hey you know uh the the indie space and the games press space should probably just try to help each other like more i mean i mean like the indie games press space you know yeah i i i definitely agree it's a it's a tough space to be in particularly particularly again with not just layoffs but indie game sites shutting down and and so it's there needs to be a bit more solidarity there with boosting indies wherever we can right right it's both have the same problem of how do you make any money and a lot of it is volunteer work basically yeah that's how i kind of started a little bit myself and then which i shouldn't have to but hey ho it is what it is right that's why i i'm it's it, i'm really realizing i'm 2023 is when i'm basically uh doing my state-run press for the apocalypse yeah I'm, I'm like hey i'm uh paying people to write uh what's it called uh, you know, my my 10 pick list and maybe something else that I need to figure out in the very near future. But it's uh, oh, a strange thing. But tell me a little bit about your... What do you think about... B, what do you think about video games? Do you th- what do I think about video games? I think you I think you put it very well when you said you hate them. I feel like I hate them sometimes. I feel like I, I fall in and out of love with them. Yes. I... Definitely last year, I kind of thought, 
after my, my first year of, of journalism, I was playing a lot of games because I was trying to be really on top of it and, and be aware of lots of things and, and pitch lots of things. And then the second year I thought, I hate this. And then I started watching TV again and felt a lot happier. Yes, I've, I've been playing this. I've been watching so many movies. I barely play video games besides, you know, the ones I do for work. At work, I say, <laughs> in, in deep uh, quotation marks. I'm, I'm pretty much the same. I, I downloaded Letterboxd. I've joined that world for the first time, mostly just to keep track of movies. But it's also, I feel like, enriched me a lot because it means I can I can find weird things. There's some fun, weird lists on there that I, I wouldn't find otherwise. Wait, what is that? It would be nice. Letterboxd? The, oh, Letterboxd. The... Okay, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Yes, that is a whole other... I wish it wasn't a, a, a way to make content, though. <laughs> That's my issue with all things is, like, everything wants you to be making content. It all it all comes back to content eventually. Right, right. So it's like they want you to make the funny uh, uh, reviews or share your letterboxed reviews. I will occasionally scroll through them and see the funny ones and just yes. kind of skip past them because I want opinions. And I kind of feel the same... When I'm looking at things about video games, I, I would I like I like to I like things a little earnest when when they can be to get some to get some truth out there. Yeah, I've I've had a a weird relationship with criticism, and especially in games because it's always felt like it's very uh, consumer reviews, you know. I do know as as someone who has done reviews and kind of getting getting the occasional brunt of people being like why can't you review this thing objectively and right. it's just well that's it's not really how it works you know they're, right. they're these are subjective things that's what it's it's what art is if yeah. you know the i see people they might point to games like journey and being like look games can be art and yet at the same time they'll be like no you have to review this objectively and only talk about the gameplay and don't let there be women or queer people and it's well <laughs> we haven't we've got some problems we've got some contradictions here yes yes it's a uh... I think it's the problem is everybody. Too many people have opinions about too many things, and they just need to keep them. The internet. Too many. Uh, uh, I just do not wish to see people <laughs> that I do yeah. not know. I do not wish to hear the opinions of people I do not know. It's kind of like the 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 gender thing of not wishing to be perceived, but like the opposite of not yes. wishing to perceive. Correct. I like even even with critics, I think I need to read like. I mean, I think I think a very like top of their game critic, you can read one and kind of get their perspective. But sometimes I feel like you need to read a couple to kind of get where they're coming from, and like what I do. Own, yeah, I know what you mean. Their own bias they're bringing to it is because it's there'll be a through line somewhere. Right, right, because right, everybody kind of likes or dislikes different things, and they all have. Uh, you know, I love to. The great feeling is if somebody. Um, clearly doesn't just only play video games. <laughs> it feels like a very important thing for games. You can feel it in their work. Yeah. Like... It's, this is a, a, a strange thing. Again, just kind of on the topic of, of reviews. My, I did a review for the, um, Boku no Natsu Yasumi Shinchan game. Yeah. Um, because I'd, I'd, I've loved the, the, uh, you know, my summer vacation games conceptually for many years, but obviously they don't have an official translation. So, and, and haven't had the chance to play Attack of the Friday Monsters yet, so yeah. I got to review that. 
and opened it with an anecdote of having been watching through Phineas and Ferb, which holds up, I would just like to say. And it's just a, such a small thing like that, which it, it, it feel, I, fe- I felt like it was a, a good way to introduce the review, and I wish I would see more of that. A, a lot of games criticism can feel very self-contained. Yeah. Um, and I think that comes from, I think that a lot of that, com- particularly with reviews, comes with the limitations of the scoring system. It, right. it doesn't, doesn't feel like there's much leeway to, to bring in other aspects of life. Um, but diff- different, there are more outlets that are getting rid of scores, and I think that's improved reviews a lot, and it's been it's been exciting to see as like as a critic myself. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think they're not strictly bad, but it's 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 when the it's when the the scores lead the reviews than rather yeah. than the other way around, because you know, plenty of uh, film critics in the past have like had their four stars or thumbs ups and thumbs downing, but with plenty of good. Same with like you know every medium has good reviews that also happen to have scores appended to them. But it's like uh, too too often sometimes the text does not match the the numbers. I have seen that. I've had been, been I guess, subject to that where scores have not lined up with what I necessarily would have given them. But that's that's a different story that I, I won't get into here, I guess. Right, because... To do like how much are scores and numbers decided like after the fact by editors you know it is it is it it can be a conversation with editors yeah Yeah. it it is yeah it's but it can also be a difficult conversation and one you have to to argue for and again when i (laughs) right when i don't believe in in scores it's kind of like well i don't don't really know what to do here necessarily right is this a graphics six or a graphics eight yes what does that mean graphics uh what is what is most graphics? You know, what is best graphics? Who who is deciding what is a ten in graphics and and what is a zero? Right. Could you imagine? What a world where other mediums have a graphic score. It's very much about you know the culture of games being led by the people who spend the most money on them, and it being thought of by too many people as a as a tech first thing as opposed to another visual medium to experiment with right right and i think that's you can my uh what's the word the kind of pretentious uh you know how mediums tend to have get their pretentious word when they're talking about the series version of it yes your your cinema or your 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 graphic novels right I, yeah I, I I've been thinking about and I in my mind I think the opposite where I think of ga- there are games that are games and then there are games that are software. Uh, you know they are they're not really I... uh, artistic expression or, or anything, but it's uh, an iterative piece of software. I know exactly what I mean, which is office of, could could be interchangeable with the term AAA as well in a right. lot of places. Yes, yeah. What is what is the ultimate difference between Need for Speed and Microsoft Excel? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, either way, number can go up, and right, exactly. I love it when number go up. Right, especially as number go up, they're even more becoming like this. Like they're they're so iterative, and that's just not a way that art works. Art is not uh, even art with sequels is not iterative. In the same way, uh, I think a lot about a guy who, like, at some point, I saw a tweet about a guy who was like, "Man, it's crazy that they never topped the action scenes in Spider-Man Two, uh, the original Spider-Man Two, 
and it's. Like, I remember the tweet actually. Yes, and I remember thinking they they don't they never have to. It's quite possible that they never will. You know, they're because it's not like uh, as they make more Spider Mans, they get better at making Spider Mans. They have definitely not gotten better at making Spider Mans. They have, I I think, considerably worse. I've. I have a so I realize. Have you seen the the that first to go in a small Spider-Man tangent? Have you seen that first new Spider-Man, whatever they call it? What is it? I don't know. Does it have a subtitle? I yeah. They all begin with H. The Tom Holland ones. Yes, the first Tom Holland one. Yeah. I I realized that like I don't know. It struck me, you know, in those kind of like those uh those Eureka moments of revelation that it's like. They just wanted to use the Green Goblin, but they didn't want to use him for whatever reason. <laughs> but yeah, you're not wrong. It's like he's a fl- the vulture flies for some reason. He's he's his child. Like it has the same Harry Osborne relationship, where is the father of one of his friends, and he knows him, and it's it's very strange. And I it's kind of like is why they feel shallow or something. It's like just use. Goblin or something very strange but i just need to get that out of my body you know of course into the outside world uh but speaking of spider-man as, as a game journalist you need to have your opinion I've, there are, there were puddles in spider-man what was up with those things uh, puddles in spider-man i don't know i remember there's something about spider-man and puddles <laughs> oh you know i do know what you're talking about i think i think it was i think I think this is again a moment of gamers getting angry yeah. about puddles changing in between what was the first bit of gameplay from the first Marvel Spider-Man, Insomniac's Marvel Spider-Man, which is a lot of apostrophes in there. Yeah. Um, I think they might have looked slightly worse and people were mad about it. Yeah. And, and even though I went back and watched the, the first uh, bit of gameplay from that Spider-Man when that kind of discourse was happening and yeah. the whole ui was different like everything was different it's okay you don't have to don't have to worry about it things change yes it's the 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 secret of discourse is that you don't actually have to type anything ever <laughs> occasionally i will find myself typing something and then i think huh i don't need to do this and then i'll right. maybe put on our elementary or something and i feel much happier right i think when i tell my friend this like if when i'm gonna hang out with my my when we have our weekly game night is this something i would ever tell my friend group and if the answer is no then why would i it feels like you so many so often i feel like it's very clear that people will add something when they have clearly nothing to say but uh they feel the need to add something i know exactly what you mean that i think that's a really great way of putting it of like would i tell a friend this Right, because most of the time, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't, especially because most of my my like real life friends that I knew, kind of pre games journalism, don't care about games that much, and yeah. they definitely don't care about the kind of discourse that we have to suffer through on Twitter every day. So right. no, you know, it's just not worth engaging. Right, it's like if if to put it in meme to put it in meme terms, so the, all the kids can understand. Uh, you want try to be. Uh, uh, in this in this very narrow situation, you want to be the Walter White and not the Jesse, you know. You want to, yeah. <laughs> you want to know. You just want to hear. Whenever you hear something, think to yourself, "What are you talking about?" One day I'll get to that point where I'm just constantly asking, "What are you talking about?" And I think I'll be I'll, I'll be much happier. Yeah, it's 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 kind of I'm I'm becoming more uh, sick of <laughs> that whole site. 
my my new thing that I've become annoyed with is people retweeting their own like very mediocre jokes, very mediocre broad jokes or like inspirational words. And I'm like, get out of here with that. It's 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 just anything that is close to content creation is increasingly annoying to me. Yeah, I, 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 I think to myself sometimes. Oh, I would, I would like to maybe make like a little TikTok. Just, just TikTok has its problems, obviously, but <sighs> like about food, maybe because I, I'm very yeah. passionate about food. And then this thing, but but what if it becomes content? What yes. if what if that starts to happen? Can you can you can you give me your best? Can you give me a TikTok cadence though? Can you speak in the TikTok cadence? The the TikTok voice cadence. No, like, like the, 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 the way people talk on TikTok, which is kind of fast and kind of condescending, uh, is sort yeah, of explanatory. It, it, I, right, yeah, because there's there's such a short window of time to do it. I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, I don't want to do that. But I think I talk a bit fast naturally anyway, yes, so. but it, it is it is difficult to do, and I, I trip over my words sometimes. I so think, I'll, I'll avoid it on this occasion. I think you might be safe then from... Because whenever I see it, people are like... I don't think people talk like that. But speaking of, uh, we got away from the gamers game at puzzles. So we I need to ask you: Do we give gamers too much? Should gamers uh, not be allowed such uh, such niceties? Have they gone too far? Should we just do gamers need to be eliminated? Do gamers need to be eliminated? Well, I guess there's gamers, and then there's gamers. If you know what I mean, there's yes. the ones that yeah, maybe we should. Maybe we should take away their toys. Yes, um, it's very obvious the ones I'm talking about here. If, if you know, as long as we're all on the same political spectrum, uh, same side of it. But then there's the gamers who, there's there's people. You know, I have I have some close friends who started playing games over the over the pandemic at the start to have something to do, and they again they're not aware of the discourse and they're very happy just finding a random little indie game or or this that or the other. And I think I think they deserve to be left alone. People who own a Nintendo Switch and never log on to Twitter. They yeah. they are safe. Everyone else yeah. maybe can go. And I can I'll, I'll go as well. I'll sacrifice video games if I have to <laughs> for the greater good. Right. There's 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 a need to uh, free yourself. I think we need to cut down people's gamer time a little or I don't know. I just uh, uh, uh tired of games. But this is we no I'm not. I wait a minute. I actually no, that's wrong. I love games. Games are great. Um, you should always be playing games nonstop. Tell if you're not uh, knee deep in Nihon Falcom, what are you doing with your life? Uh, but that's all. So speaking of games, I have a very important question for you. Um, I hope you're prepared. I hope you're ready. This, I'm your, ready. Uh, your your game criticism uh, credibility is on the line, I believe. Uh, okay. Uh, and perhaps your entire gamer cred in general. I don't know. That's a very daunting, a very daunting task to overcome. But I, hopefully, I can do it. Because Mochi needs to know. Uh, do you have a favorite Toho character? I do not go to Toho. I am aware of it. I am. I have respect for Toho as a concept, and for yes. those that love it, I know nothing about it. I think I think like bullet hell, right? Yes, and then witches. There are some witches. witches. Yes. That's kind of like the extent of my knowledge. So okay. whichever whichever your favorite is, I'll pick that. I don't think I have a, 
Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm close. I'm narrowed down. I've been taking a, a Toho break to play uh, other video games. Uh, you heard of this game called Final Fantasy VII? <laughs> I haven't. I've not heard of this game called Final Fantasy VII. So there's just, Tell me about <laughs> Final this, Fantasy VII. There's this guy named Cloud. He's an ex-soldier. Soldier is in all caps because it's an acronym, I think, for something. Anyway, they're sucking the planet dry. There's Mako energy. There's a giant snake on a skewer. There's a dog. There's a lot going on in that game. There's a tower defense segment, sort of. <laughs> Whatever. It sounds like it has it all. I think I think they should tell people about this game. Yeah, it has snowboarding and slot machines, and you can go on dates. It's kind of like the all video game. It's weird that no one's been talking about it yet. But uh, it sounds like it's really ripe for uh, a remake, maybe. 20, 25 years down the line yeah. and it being bigger and the first three hours of it being extended into 30 hours. Yeah, yeah, like, like a remake that kind of like plays with the long-standing canon of it and kind of attempts to recontextualize something. It'd be really neat. Who knows, though? Who knows? Who knows? I, I have played a lot of it. I've been kind of... I think that I actually I played that recently. I think it's very cool. <laughs> it's... I don't know where the, where it'll go or if it'll stick any sorts of landings, but I think it's a very neat uh, approach to something. The re- the remake specifically. Yes. Yeah. I I I am a I am a you know for better or worse I'm a Nomura diehard Kingdom Hearts diehard you know it's ride or die I I'm I'm stuck with it this is my curse maybe my blessing so I'm 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 here for here for the long haul. Yeah, it's it I. To not talk too long about Final Fantasy VII, uh, I think it's a cool approach to something of like navigating a legacy of something where like people know these characters way more than they did twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, and there's all more all this extra canon built in. But Kingdom Hearts, that's a whole other thing, you know. Donald, <laughs> Goofy, the rest. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of characters. Aqua. I think is one of them. That is one of them. She's, She's got the one blue that hair. Norted, right? She is the one who very famously got noted. Yeah. That's unfortunate for her. Yeah, it was a a, a big L for her. Yeah, <laughs> kind of, kind of big shame. I, I I saw it online. Women taking L's, and I was like, can't believe she got noted. <laughs> uh, it's before we go. I think. I think it's very funny that Halo Jawsman is still <laughs> Sora. Uh, you know what? You know what? He's honestly still good at it. The way he managed, because he, he doesn't have like too high pitched a voice. No, he no. does a pretty good job. I'm gonna I'm gonna defend him there. No, I, you know who knows yeah. if he's well adjusted or not as a as an adult oh, child turned adult actor. I but... was gonna say he seems it. That's that's the thing. I never, I don't think I ever saw Haley Jawsman in, in a as a child actor, but I've heard him on podcasts and seen him in shows as an adult. And I like him. I was like, oh. He seems nice. I'm like, this Halo Jawsman is like, uh, kind of seems well adjusted and is like pivoted into a lot of comedy stuff, I think. He is doing a lot of comedy stuff. He's in he's in The Boys, the yeah. you know the, the graphic novel adaptation, and other bits and bobs. It's always funny hearing him. There's always Kingdom Hearts memes whenever he appears on something that is just completely not Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, that's that's the thing I didn't know. Like, do people, are people aware that Sora is... <laughs> uh, just a regular big bearded guy who hangs around in just an old, just an old man. Yeah. Anyway, uh, before we start talking about Sora, the, the, the darkness, the, 
how he'll never take Kyrie's heart. Um, I, I think it would be very funny if somebody did like a, I had an idea a long time ago, a high concept idea of, of kind of like a, like a theater a series of performances of monologues from unskippable cutscenes and games before difficult boss fights. I think that's a winner idea. <laughs> Mostly because that uh, I think we saw that 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 uh, uh, Bastion Hollow, Hollow Bastion pre Riku cutscene about uh, eighty million times growing up. I I so my specific experience with Kingdom Hearts, uh, my first experience of Kingdom Hearts was my dad who is German and would travel to Germany for work. He brought me back a German copy, except you couldn't change uh, the subtitles or the dub. And I didn't speak German. I still don't. And it was a bit of a struggle to... It's how I learned the word mushroom, though. Okay. Um, which is pilts. Um, that's ingrained in my memory forever, thanks to Kingdom Hearts. How is uh, so I... German Don the Goofy? Uh, you know what? Surprisingly faithful to the originals, definitely makes donald harder even harder to understand but you know it, i roll i roll with the roll with the punches I, I take it as it comes okay yeah yeah uh and i sorry i got an uh, email or a dm real quick and i thought it was something important but it was not something important i mean it was mildly important but like not i thought it was like an urgent thing yeah no worries yes no i okay we're, we're gonna go on break so we don't talk about kingdom hearts forever i sure Kingdom Hearts occupies a space that I kind of love where it's kind of trashy, um, but very earnest. And that's... Where uh, I love to live. Yeah, that's a, it's a wheelhouse that I love. I love earnest uh, trash, but not earnest uh, trash. Uh, if you know what I mean. I do, I do. The gentleman. How... Before I go to break, how how big is Ernest over there in the across the pond? Like how how valued is it, or or just how, how big in general? Uh, Ernest Ernest the the character. Are you the character. With, are you familiar with Ernest? I'm not familiar with Ernest. I got, I could assume that maybe he's from Pride and Prejudice. Oh, just thinking of the no, classics. No, Ernest. He's kind of like a imagine a. Uh, He's not dissimilar to an American Mr. Bean. <laughs> Think of him like that. Except he okay. talks. But I feel like he has the same energy. Uh, I feel like I might have missed out on this this cultural icon. Uh, it's not enough. He was the slinky dog in Toy Story. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I think you're fine. <laughs> that was just uh, one of those things I realized that that is probably not something that leaves the U.S. for all the culture we export. Uh uh, but anyway, now I'm actually going on break. V, thank you for being on the show, and thank you for uh, writing, you know, that th little thing about Indie Pockups all those years back. Of course, <laughs> it was a joy to be here and a joy to do so. Uh, I'm going to go to break real quick. Hey, goodbye. Be back in Hello and welcome back to Indie Apocalypse Radio. That was hopeless by Screaming Females. I am declaring this uh, Screaming Female Summer for Andrew. That is usually as spring starts to hit, 
and I start to like settle in and I go, huh, why don't there's usually uh, like an album or a band or something that kind of settles in as the, the song of the summer for me. And it, uh, I think it is for me, it is scream females, but that aside, uh, we are here with uh, a guest you may know uh, in the indie apocalypse context from you know like let's say like, about two years ago. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> with in with Polymute in, in indie apocalypse twelve, or more recently with a, a, a release of their own with Ella Fantasy Flipside. It's Linker. Hello, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a, a dog's age since yes. I've been on this show. Right, and even longer since you've been in Indie Apocalypse. Which oh is, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really kind of this long running, you know, time just keeps on trekking along whether you like it or not. I know it's it's it's, it's insane. Um, because I've been on I've been on this show once, like just as a guest, yeah. and then I think I was on during like the first like telethon thing yeah. that that you did. Um, and that was a couple of years ago too. Right. I'm on, I do so, my third one in a couple of weeks. So it's just like, it's, it's been, it's been a long time since I started getting into indie apocalypse, but yeah, here we are. Yeah. Still, we're all still doing it. You know, that's it's there. There's actually nothing more like crushing to me than to see if when I look for like a, a look through like past contributors and see they are in fact not still doing it. Yeah, and I mean, I I hope that they are just said, oh, it was a passing fancy for me. I'm doing something else. I'm doing fine. But like, the idea of them yeah. being crushed and burned out, I don't want. Yeah, to the 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 industry is kind of the, the scare quotes industry rather yeah. is 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 not an easy place to be as a small, uh, tiny, uh, uh, game developer. Um. And, and I, I know that all, all too well. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's really, it, it always sucks when people kind of leave. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's for better because yeah. a lot of the time the industry kind of, kind of chews you up and spits you out. But, you know, if, if, if you, if you keep at it for long enough, I think you can kind of, I mean, God. Hopefully, you can kind <laughs> yeah. of get get some kind of stable footing and and kind of entrench yourself enough that you're you're not getting uh, thrown to the wolves every time you release something. But you never know, I guess. Yeah, I've been thinking that it's like a lot of it is there is. Uh, I I've, I've been thinking about wanting to write something about how like indie apocalypse is not a community, and I think that's good. <laughs> um, like to have like neutral it, spaces. Yeah, but it's also interesting because I think indie apocalypse, as you said, is like it's it's almost like a testament to a lot of people that have been in the industry and like especially in like kind of the indie sphere where you know you have a lot of a lot of projects from a lot of people who are you know maybe not even really making games anymore and it's it's just kind of this really interesting little little microcosm in the in the in the again in the scare quotes games industry yeah um it's it's kind of refreshing honestly yeah i was thinking uh, i think it was this year that i realized that i'm I, I would even say that i'm not in the game industry in the slightest you know i'm never going to like i have no a functional need for 
GDC or Dice and, or any of and that stuff. Frankly, frankly, thank God. Yeah. I, I saw like, how much money it cost shit. people just to go there, even when they got comped, you know? I know. Like I was um you know Sylvie. Yeah. We all we all know Sylvie, friend of the friend of the indie apocalypse, Sylvie. Yeah. Uh, three, three, um, indie, uh, four indie apocalypsers were in this year. I know it's it's crazy. Um, we had a very good, very good representation. Yeah. But I was seeing Sylvie post about the the costs of stuff on on Twitter. God, we all hate Twitter. Right. Um, but it's just it's appalling. It's like I I can barely cover my rent most of the time. Right. And like the idea of spending thousands of dollars on like a round trip to the fucking West coast to, to maybe go to like a couple, a couple talks, show a game and then come back is just so like, it's insane to me. Yeah. I've, I've been, I've been mentally keeping track of people who seem to go to a lot of conferences and talks and like in my mind, I'm like, I, I'm mentally placing them in tax brackets, you know, I'm going, Oh, you're not really uh, <laughs> indie. If you can travel like more than once a year, especially if it's like international travel. You like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like are you, you're a little, are you a little Nepo baby? Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But I mean, it's not entirely inaccurate, right. I suppose, at that point. But right, because you know. it's like where I, I look at that, like where do you get money to travel? Like where does that money come from? It's got to come from somewhere. And how can I get that? Yeah, can can you cut me a slice of that pie, please? Yeah, I like I. Uh, my next thing that I'm doing is a is a like a market in Providence that cost me fifty dollars. Oh my god! Plus travel expenses, which is not actually travel expenses because it's just like a little bit of gas, you know. It's not. It's not entirely dissimilar from from putting a game on Steam, I guess, because you yeah. do have to pay to to put a game on Steam. But then I guess you know, you also get a a, a reasonable return on that. Whereas I don't know if if physical physical markets are are as lucrative. But I guess yeah, you never know. They're okay, honestly. As someone who works, really. In you, I kind of do okay. That's yeah. that's surprising to me, but I I mean hell I I I never do them, so you know shows what I know I guess. Right. I'm hoping that like uh, these cassettes will sell at gangbusters. You know. Yeah. Look at hey 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 chat hey look at the look at the little cassette in the yeah. bottom bottom left corner. See that you can own that. Yeah. For, two people for... already have. You can you and you can be one of one of more than two, hopefully. Yeah. Um it is like uh and I really hope like there's a lot of things that I do that I hope catches on, but I really hope like indie devs selling their games in cassette tapes is one of those things because it's so easy to do and pretty pretty cheap. Yeah. I, I know another um developer that I've worked with a couple times, um, Miles has uh toyed with the idea of doing something like that with with flash drives for a yeah. while but i don't i don't think he ever did but it, it's a really it's a really kind of novel idea and i really like it um yeah. and it, it it's 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 really cool for especially like the small game space right where we might not have you know enough enough money for a real physical distribution but 
you know, in this case, there is sort of a way to, to make that happen, even if it's just kind of sort of piecemeal like this. But it's still really cool. Right, right. Like, and the, the components to get into nitty, like, the components are, like, under a dollar a piece, like, per, uh, like, this, like, a whole thing of, like, 50, I would say, give or take. It, like the buy-in is only, like, like under $200, you know, maybe a, maybe a little over 100 yeah, and if you can if you can recoup that, then yeah. if, you know you're doing you're doing gangbusters. You're doing great. Right. Yeah, and if you're selling most games at like five bucks, you're like you're breaking even at like twenty twenty five games. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, and it's and then you've got like you still got like half your games left to go. And if you sell for yeah. more, my God, you're just like you're rolling in it, <laughs> but. <laughs> Or not really, but I, I think there is a because I was talking to a cover artist on the show previous on one of the previous episodes, and she was talking about how seeing more and more game developers at things like Zine Fest and things like that, and uh, a, a, a previous developer or an indie apocalypse uh, developer was at a, a what's the name of that Canadian Smash thing. So oh, I have no idea. Something about level. Is it get on my level or next level or? It, next level sounds familiar. Um, B, do you do you know anything about this? You, not to you, not to pull smash? you out of, the, out of the out of the darkness. I smash like Smash Brothers Smash yes. or yeah. To I think the only event that know I know the name of is like Frosty something. Oh okay, but Frosty other than that. that no, I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking le, about. Le, get on my level or something like that sounds familiar, though. It does sound familiar. Um, but anyway, they tabled at that. It is get on my level. Yes, I was right. But yeah, it, it was. Uh, and they had got a table there as like an artist, but you can just like get tables at like so many different like events, you know. Can you can you imagine someone tabling at Evo? Right, I, people do. There are game developers at table at Evo. Real, I mean, I guess that yeah. makes sense if you're if you're a fighting game developer, but like if you're just like a, I, I, it, it seems so like so insane to me. But yeah. also, I get, I guess that's just kind of me being a weirdo because yeah. it, it, it's definitely you know it makes sense to do, and if you can get a table there, I guess it would make sense. But you know, I'm right. not, I'm not a fighting game dev, so what do I know? Right, right. Uh, it's I, I think it's it's a lot about like trying to find you know whatever your local thing is, whatever your local cheap, inexpensive event is, and being like, oh, I'll bring my games there. Because, like, even if you even if you don't have a fancier, like, physical thing, you just go for the super cheap version of, like, uh, what I did previously, which was postcards, which are, like, 10 cents a piece, you know? Yeah, super, super cheap, super, you know, I mean, relatively cheap to make. Right. Um, just, you know. But you can you can presumably make some kind of profit off of that if 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 people buy them anyway. Right, right. That's that's the tricky part is getting people to buy them. But yeah, how to, getting people to buy games and like uh, convincing people to because I feel like both uh, gamers and non-gamers bring a lot of um, assumptions of like what they like already, you know, or what they don't like. Yeah, and that and that definitely colors it. Um, but also, like, I feel like, especially for for me as a as a smaller dev, a lot of the struggle that I have is to try and like 
even just tell people about my game like even even if they they end up like hating it or whatever it's yeah. not for them like even just kind of getting my foot in the door or like my axe through the door like uh like uh you know like like a serial killer trying to <laughs> trying to trying to peddle my wares like an insane person like it's crazy because it's so difficult now to just kind of even even do that like even get any kind of recognition um but right because you know, we're, we're living in the era we're living in the era of gifability you know yeah that that and you know twitter uh the the burning husk of twitter shambling on yeah um as that as that continues to deteriorate you know it it, it gets worse and worse for people who actually use it for you know marketing or what have you which yeah. you know yeah, because nothing works quite as nothing will work quite as well as Twitter for I think marketing. Cause... Yeah, because it because it's like guerrilla marketing almost. It's yeah. like you you kind of you you cut out a lot of the middlemen, or you can, um, and you can kind of build an audience really quickly and kind of on your own. Um, and I don't think that there's really anything similar to that. Right. right. Um, and, and like anything will not have sufficient. Uh sufficient reach i guess right sufficient like, like yeah. massive users to to do that yeah exactly but you okay. know hopefully ho god hopefully something shows up because right, i right. i want to get off elon musk's wild ride as soon as i possibly can <laughs> yeah but uh, it's yeah because because i think you know like mastodon it's not gonna it's not because like imagine being like on a server that they decide oh we don't actually want to be connected to one of the bigger servers anymore and it's like what so now i lose because i'm on game dev dot party or whatever that decided to ban mastodon dot social or something yeah it's not i i find mastodon um kind of weird uh in that respect where like it it's connected to a lot of the other stuff but it's not um it's not like directly connected and it's certainly not connected in the same way that twitter is and yeah. like now you have your your kind of local feed and you also have your kind of global feed and it's 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 kind of a lot especially for new users um which is why i think i think that's why at least in my opinion it loses out to to twitter because with twitter it's just kind of like you know you you get kind of this stream of of whatever the hell um but at least it's like it's understandable and it's quick yeah uh whereas with mastodon it's just kind of like there's there's a lot but right. it's not um yeah and, and you know t well i was gonna say tumblr still exists co-host exists now and i really like co-host um but you know they're they're also you know not incredibly great places to to market stuff right I, and i think you know i don't necessarily want to have to market stuff on them because they're 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 nice little platforms and I'd hate to ruin them um, <laughs> shilling my projects. Oh, I, I want to do nothing but ruin, ruin them by shilling my projects. <laughs> like if I want to do, if I want to hang out doing social media, I'll go to my favorite social media site that I was on last night, which I call my friend's couch. With his yeah. Books. But I mean, I guess, yeah. I guess, um, I guess I also do that too. Like I'll, 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 mentioned to my friends offhandedly oh i released a video game and then they'll be like oh cool um and i i, I it's weird because i almost feel guilty for that too right like it's like i don't want to i don't want to make my my friends uh 
like feel like they have to buy video games from me. Oh, don't worry. My um, friends, I don't think I had a single, I think, no, I think one of my friends is about one issue of any apocalypse one, but otherwise, yeah, uh, I don't worry I, about I, that. That's it's a relief. I think to go a couple to a people, I think a couple of my friends have bought my games before, which is very, very nice of them. But yeah. like, obviously I don't expect them to. And I think that's kind of why I'm like, well, like I could tell my friends about it, but I don't really want to. And then, and then, you know, my, my partners will be like, oh, my, my partner made a video game. Here it is. And they'll post it on Facebook or something. And I'll be like, I, I'm cringing inside <laughs> because I, 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 I'm just, I'm this weird little, little hermit. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's very, you know, it, it is what it is, I guess. Right. It's a, it's like a weird space where I think the, the, the kind of indie space for games that I've been saying, I've probably been saying for two years now, it's coming up. It starts forming, but it's just, it's slow. coming up. It's up and coming. It's, right. it, but it's, it's slow, very slow to form like what a more cohesive, like a more cohesive whole sort of. Yeah. Right. Right. I want, I, I think it's nice to, I want a space where it can, uh, I want the kind of camaraderie of, you know, seeing someone at an event multiple times, but not having to like fully buy into like social groups. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think I agree with that. Like I like, I like the relative anonymity of it. Yeah. Um, but I also, I like, I like having kind of a peer group of, yeah. of people who like kind of do the same thing I do and who I can kind of talk to and, you know, socialize with but i also like the idea that i don't have to like be be incredibly connected to these people at all right. times if that makes sense right and the only it's especially as an outsider if they come in the only way in is like what they look in is you see like a bunch of friend groups you know and it's like oh how do i like what is how do you navigate point? that yeah do I just like butt into these conversations until they, until they get, until they, I wear them down and they finally let me talk to them or. I mean, hell that, that I'll tell you what I did that in middle school and yeah. that worked fairly well for me as a, as a weird, like 13 year old kid who yeah, didn't that... really know how to make friends like that. That worked for me and maybe it'll work in the, in the games industry. Who knows? Or the indie sphere, I guess, specifically. Right. It's, it's a very, <laughs> Uh, I I guess I just wish there were a lot a lot more cheaper events. Oh yeah, so oh yeah. You, you could like, because I think that it brings a different uh, vibe of people. To yeah, it it it's it's less corporate. I feel like, and yeah. it's less kind of. I I hesitate to say elitist, but I think in some ways it can be. Right. Like if you if you don't have, kind of a way to you know, bankroll that either, either as a speaker or as someone showing a game or something like that, then it becomes a lot harder to kind of justify the costs unless you are, you are already, you know, a corporation or a studio or something like that. Right. And then in that case, you know, it's, it, it, you know, you're the only ones that show up, um, which kind of sucks all around. Yeah, and, and even uh, and for some of these, like we said earlier, even being a speaker or showing a game is still not yeah. Good. Even then, even then, it even then it's really really expensive, regardless. But. Right, 
that is it does not benefit and that's as someone who lives within the united states the the continental united states i granted i'm on the other side of the united states but oh yeah it is uh it's a it's a pricey one to go yeah even to, even just even just like across the country right. and like the us is relatively big but you know it, it, domestic flights aren't usually that expensive but even still like it's a lot of money and then you have to get you know food and you have to get lodging and you have to you know figure out that's the killer yeah because like i also remember some of the people who were talking about gdc costs were like well a couple of us were just like in this like really crappy hotel um and it was just it was just awful but it was like the only way they could afford it and it it that that I think is the killer. Yeah, that's the one that I would I would hate. Um, but again, I don't really go to GDC or any of these conventions, so who right. am I to talk? I guess. Yeah, and I, I I think that's the kind of right mentality to have, honestly, within like the kind of smaller indie space. You know, the the sort of unbudgeted indie space. Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good way of framing it. The the indie space where you don't have enough money to kind of put aside for this sort of thing yeah right you don't have uh employees <laughs> yeah no, nor are you an employee no it's it's that's another weird thing about being like a solo developer is that like especially like i i list myself as like a sole proprietorship or whatever right. for, for like steam or, or any kind of tax purposes or anything like that um, or as an individual. And that's, that's always kind of a weird distinction for me because it's like, I think a lot of this stuff is built around, you know, corporations or studios that have sort of employees and employee contracts and stuff. Whereas if it's just one person kind of doing all this work, it's like, well, I, I have to do a million different things, but it's a lot simpler on the back end sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot, uh, cheaper in some cases on the back end too as well because yes yes uh, but that's also cheaper because you don't have any money but speaking of uh speaking of cheaper speaking of solo devs linker i have an important question for you you've had time to prepare for this question oh god and it's, it's you need i need to know do you have a favorite toho character um i think i know a little bit more about toho than b does okay um although i only know like four toho characters which are Remu, uh, uh marissa pacioli and uh Remilia, i think okay and nice. i don't really know them all that well i can confirm those are all um, toho characters oh thank god um <laughs> i think i, I don't know. know which ones are which so oh good then i don't know marissa i guess seems like a safe choice she's a witch she yeah. steals things i i only i only know this because there are like a billion toho fan games yeah some of which i know of um one of which was uh called maristus which is a, a sort of spin-off of the nes game solstice okay which is what my most recent game was based on in a lot of ways yes so i did a lot of kind of research into isometric platformers and i found this and i was like oh that's interesting i wonder what this game is um and you know i guess the rest is history now i'm now i'm answering 
uh, Marissa as my favorite Toho character. It, 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 you know, that's how it works. So quickly before we go, as uh, uh, of course a very this is a very proper interview show, so I asked a lot of very important interview questions. Um, before we go on break, tell me a little bit about uh, uh, Fantasy Flipside. What what exactly is this game that you've been uh, updating every single day, much to the chagrin great, of one game? Great gamer? question. Yeah, um, I won't get into that right now, but I, w- I might talk about it after the break. Yeah. But um, Flipside is sort of a spinoff of an earlier game that I made called Elephantasy. Um, it's a it's more of a platformer than its predecessor, and it's sort of a puzzle platformer. Um, you go around the world, this kind of big, large, expansive world that I have made of over 700 individual screens, uh, and you collect a bunch of different stuff. And the more stuff you collect, the more of the world you can explore. Um, there's an item rental system, sort of like uh, Zelda A Link Between Worlds, uh, where you can only carry so many items at the start, but then as your inventory expands, you can go to more places. Um, it's a, it's, it was a really fun and pretty ambitious project. Yeah. And uh, you, can, you can get it on uh, itch.io and Steam um right now currently and who knows maybe some other places in the in the future don't quote me on that epic uh, games epic <laughs> mega store maybe uh, i don't know maybe <laughs> maybe i think it's easy enough to do if you're already on steam yeah i, I suppose that's true but it would be it's, it, that's another whole ke- barrel of i was gonna say kettle of worms and barrel of fish um but you know uh it's it's pretty it's pretty good in my opinion, as the developer, um, it's, it's a good opinion to have as a developer. Yeah, it, I, it would it would kind of suck if I thought it was a bad game at this point. Right. Um, give a it, lot give of people, it five or six years before you think it's a bad game, at least. Yeah, or or the flip side, like not no pun intended, I guess, uh, where you can um, you can think it's a bad game right after release, and then you'll warm up to it years later. Right. Uh, which has also happened to me sometimes. But uh, yeah, a lot of people seem to like it. It's it's pretty fun um, if you like games where you can kind of wander around with not a ton of direct supervision from the from the game. Like you you kind of you get hints as to where to go, but a lot of the exploration is kind of on you. Um, and I think I, I think that's really cool, and I really I I liked that part of the the game. Um, but you know, if you don't like that, you know. It might not be for you, and I think that's also okay. But yeah, it's 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 a fun game. You can get it for nine ninety nine, I think, um, and it'll be it'll be hopefully anyway in the Queer Games bundle uh, later this year. So if you want to wait for a discounted price on that, you can get it there. Listen, the official indie apocalypse stance is: Hey, folks, don't wait for that discounted price. Get it right at full price. You know. Yeah. If, please, please. Yeah. Please. Uh, uh, I yeah, just just like just slam that. As someone who uh, purchases a lot of art, purchased two albums today for uh, this show. I am the the bold and apocalypse stance of purchase art, especially independent art. Yeah, and like then, I like I said, like I said, I can I can barely afford my rent sometimes, right. so it would definitely it would definitely help. Yeah, then, um, then, then 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 double dip with the queer games bundle because you get like 
really, you're not buying 700 games or whatever, you know, that's not, it's an impractical proposition. Yeah. You're, you're supporting a bunch of queer creators who right. you put, put a lot of work into the, what they're, what they're, what they're selling you. Right. And I think that's, I think that's, what's more important than, you know, Oh, now I have 700 games that I can sift through on a Saturday night or whatever. Yeah. I, those things are more like pledge drives almost in a way. Yeah. Than they are like proper, like, bundles they're just proper friendly. bundles yeah just, just way too many games in them yeah but you know like i i it's funny i still get a lot of downloads from them like yeah. even if it's not like purchases like even even years after um i first put polymute into a couple bundles like i'll still get a ton of downloads for that um it's re- it's really interesting the kind of uh longevity those things have Right, and I wonder how much people like will find their way to like Polymute later, and they'll see the little banner up top that says they already own it, and they go, "Oh, I already own this." Yeah, and I think I think that's also kind of a fun thing where like you know, a lo- I I try to put my games into into these bundles, um, like these kind of charity bundles that happen every so often. Yeah, because it kind of it, it makes me feel better as someone who can't directly contribute to a lot of these causes. Um, right, it, it it feels good to kind of help raise funds for stuff um but i always i always kind of get a kick out of the idea that someone somewhere could like just buy this bundle have no idea that my stuff is in it and then like months or years down the line they could discover me on twitter or co-host or what have you um and think oh that sounds neat and then they already own it right it says you purchased this 700 days ago yeah and they're like oh speaking of 700 days uh yeah. Uh, speaking of a, a length of time, we are going to be. I'm going to be going on break for a length of time. Linker, thank you for coming back to the show, uh, hanging out, uh, chatting with me. I will be back in like uh, two minutes and eighteen seconds, roughly speaking. Goodbye for now. Welcome back to Indie Apocalypse Radio. That was uh, Chumps with down on the mall too and despite what the stream says that is from uh, 1978 not 2020 i think it said i got uh, screwed again by remasters and compilations but anyway australian no wave or not an australian no it's an australian label i think that, whatever i'm looking at the same like no they're not from australia they're from like dc but maybe this this discogs link is from like maybe an, it was an Australian label that like compiled it all. Anyway, we're back in the apocalypse. Linker and Beer here. I'm rambling about uh, record labels, and I kind of wish there was. I wish there were people publishing in games with like the the rash eagerness of people who just like publish old weird shit on Bandcamp and like compile this kind of stuff. But it doesn't. I mean, there are. I, I think there are definitely people um, who kind of d- take the take the same sort of pride in like I, I, I don't know what you would call it uh, like God now now the word is just completely gone out of my head right but re-releasing old stuff uh, recompiling old stuff like I think I think that's that's a really really cool field and I definitely think that there are people who are doing that with games. But I, I do wish it was more because like 
and I and I also wish that companies wouldn't uh, keep slamming people for doing that, for like right. trying to trying to preserve that stuff. Preservation. Right. That's the that's the word I was looking for. My I goodness. Think, I think I was looking for like a official preservation. You know, where it's like we 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 are now the pub. We are now we are now the publisher of this game. You know. So we yeah, have we're like the, the stewards of it, sort of. Right. So it's like, yeah, there's this old DOS game from the early 90s. Now we are the publisher of this game, so we can put it on PC wherever we want. We can put on Steam and Itch and all that stuff. Rather than just like preservation being that gray area where it's like, you know, emulation and all that stuff. Of Technically, anytime you're like, there's that idea that well i mean you can't stamp it down entirely because of course you know files they're everywhere you can't get rid of files yeah I have, uh, I have all these files on my computer these these aforementioned uh i've got three digital isos of don't of final fantasy 7 don't tell the cops that i have them but oh my god i do i can point I, I don't know if it's on the shelf next to me, but I do have the original three discs in this in this building somewhere. So technically, I mean, so- I I have I have a couple different ROMs of Zelda: Link's Awakening on my computer right now, and I I don't have a physical cart on me, but I have one somewhere. Yes, in 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 my home state. Right, that you dump um, every forty eight hours, so it's a legal copy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, definitely. The only way to truly uh, play video games, it's a way I love to play video games to someone with very little time, is to have a a save state button on my controller and a speed up button on my controller. It's a great. Wonderful innovations in gaming tech. Yeah. But I can like just save everywhere or I can be like, I, I'm gonna, I need to grind real quick. I'm going to hold my right analog stick down and speed through all these grinding. What 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 do you think about uh, games preservation? Be what do you, what are your what are your favorite um, old old games to uh, <laughs> not pirate? <laughs> yes. What am I? Oh, I I guess I don't have many that I I come back to regularly. I think most recently the game that I definitely <clears throat> legally played was Rule of Rose, okay. uh, which have, was have, definitely. You don't have like six hundred dollars US lying around. I don't have six hundred dollars US just lying around um, what, for a what game. Is, what is Rule of Rose? I don't know what Rule of Rose is. Oh, it is. Um, I would say an infamous PS2 horror game in the vein of uh, you know Silent Hill, um, that kind of of like early Silent Hill. Um, it, it came out in two thousand six. It was from. Do, do you know the the PS2 game Tulip? I do know Tulip. I was watching a long play of Tulip like two days ago. So it's the same developer. It's like Tulip and, and Rule of Rose are the only two games they ever made. Really? And it, yeah, it's it's set in the early 1900s um, in the UK, and you play as a 19-year-old young woman called Jennifer, and you get kidnapped into a blimp, and there are these awful little nasty children that are really horrible to you, and it's very weird, very messy, uh, very imperfect... Uh, little game that was in the UK um, banned quite uh, shortly before its release. 
Um, really? So it, it never technically officially released in the UK. Um, did release in Europe, did release in the States, did release in Japan. And because of, of that, it, it, because there was a, the, we have a, I think it was the Daily Mail, maybe the Telegraph, which are, are like right-wing tabloid papers. Mm-hmm. They drummed up a, a moral panic about it. Um, it was interesting in my, in my research for it, because I, I, was, I was writing something about it. And I was thinking, hmm, there's some lesbian themes in this game. I wonder, I wonder if that's the reason that, you know, these right-wing newspapers were getting angry about it. Because oh all God. I could find it. Well, I could find Maybe. it first. Well, it was, it turned out, it was, it was because there was like, you know, homosexual masochistic themes and it's like, okay, great. So it's just homophobia. Right. Um, oh my God. It's a very interesting game worth checking out. Maybe worth playing because there are some cheats for it that you can get when you play it um, very legally. Yes. Uh, and I would recommend it with that because it's, 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 it's got that kind of, again, that jank of a game that didn't have enough time or budget. Um, but my, my opinion on video game preservation is that I wish they were kind of billionaires, which shouldn't exist, obviously, but considering the world we live in, that had more money to just dump into projects just for the sake of it, like there are in other arts. Right, so we yeah. could get... Because there's Onion Games. They published the re-release of Moon, and they also oh, own yeah. the rights to Tulip, and they also own the rights to Rule of Rose, but... There's, it's up in the air as to whether all of these other games will come back. And I wish someone would just give them a lot of money so they could do what they want. Yeah. yeah. Like, when I, I've been watching some, uh, as I watch some old movies, there's a lot of like, especially you know, mainly in like these criterion releases of them, there's a lot of like restored thanks to all these such and such and such foundations for providing funding for restoration and everything. And it's like, we need more of those foundations. They're like, hey, it provided funding for restoration, which is like porting or whatever. And playability on modern engines and modern yeah. PCs and that kind of thing. And I think it, I think that especially kind of loops back around to what you guys were talking about at the very beginning of the show about, you know, games as, as art. Um, where it's like, it, exactly. I think, I think if if games are to be considered art, they also, you know, they need this kind of level of, I don't, I, I hesitate to say philanthropy because I also don't, I don't like the idea that philanthropists should decide what gets to stay, you know, as, as, um, as available to the public versus not. Right. But I, I think, you know, there needs to be some kind of more, um, more, systematic funding for these kinds of efforts for preserving video games just like there is for you know preserving film preserving text or something like that um but we aren't we aren't really there yet and it's it's really it's really kind of sucks um it's that thing where a lot of a lot of people uh don't seem to realize how young and arguably immature games are you know they're they're commercially roughly 40 years old obviously goes back a little bit more than that um it, when you actually you know go into the nitty-gritty of history but it, 40 years isn't isn't very long you know the the moving image you know by the, by the 40s they they had established hollywood pictures and such and and again it was very early days then and we've had 100 plus years of that and we, we haven't had that with games yet so there's there's a lot of learning to do from a lot of, a lot of different angles and yeah. it's also interesting Sorry not to cut you off, Andrew. No, no, go ahead. But it, I think it's also interesting because 
games and software in general are really kind of hard to preserve unless there's a concerted effort to do so. Because a lot of the time, it's stuff that can just kind of get deleted. There aren't really physical artifacts like there are with, you know, a film or with a book or something. Um, there's not, or, or like a, like a work of art, like a painting or a sculpture, like there's no kind of physical trace of it, um, that can be preserved in the same way. And so it's, or, I mean, I guess there is, if it's like a physical cart or something, there is, but for, for things like, you know, like there, it's a lot harder, I think, to preserve some of this stuff without having these kinds of physical yeah. Um, physical it, discs or something right. like there's, that. There's no, there's no master of it. Uh, exactly. Like, there's no, there's, or at least there's like a less easily accessible way to to find these things after you know forty years have passed. And like, if there isn't, uh, if there isn't a concerted effort to preserve some of this stuff, like these old games that maybe people played on like the Amiga or the Commodore 64 or the ZX Spectrum or something like these things can kind of just fall by the wayside and we'll, you know, there, there might be a cart lying around somewhere or a disc, but by and large, it's pretty likely that a lot of these games are just kind of lost forever, lost media. Right. There's a really great, go on. No, 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 go ahead. There's a you make a great point in terms of the the lack of like physicality to it, uh, and and how it makes it so much more difficult to preserve things. And it makes me think of of Nosferatu, you know, the the vampire classic, which was I, th- I think made in the twenties or so. Yeah. And the only reason we have copies of it today that exist and we can watch it is because of piracy. the The original copy version of it, the original film copy of it was I think lost in a fire. It was definitely lost in some kind of accident. But because people copied it and then shared it across the world, um, that's how we're able to to watch it. And that's that's there's a I think to, look again looking at the infancy of, of film and how that happened in the infancy of video games. You know, again talking about Rule of Rose, I I wouldn't be able to play that unless I wanted to fork out hundreds right. of pounds yeah, to I, play I, it. I, I joked about it, but then I did look on price charting, and their average is six hundred dollars US. Yeah, yeah I, it's interesting that it seems to be a little cheaper in the UK. I've seen it go, go as low as like 200 to maybe like 400 right. pounds. Wow. Um, which is still a ridiculous sum of money for one PS2 game. Uh, and yeah, you know, it with it's piracy isn't necessarily always the best way to go about things, particularly because of, of the fact, well, just look at Nintendo yeah. uh, and everything that they're doing. Yeah. Uh, so we need... Everyone needs to get their act together a little bit more. Not everyone, not necessarily us. People who can't do as much about it as we'd like to. But yeah. I, I, I very much agree that there should be more involvement and in, in maybe even just in, in in opportunities for collective funding into things to allow people to like to literally just you know small companies to say, hey, if you give us money, this will help us make these things, and it, it can be more of a communal thing. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be philanthropists because I also agree that relying on philanthropists that get to decide what the canon is is a is a slippery slope. Oh yeah, yeah. There's uh, I'll say, folks, you want so, unless you folks you want to give uh, your old pal Andy Apocalypse a lot of money. Uh, I that's if you don't guess it, this is my wheelhouse. I'd love to do shit like this constantly. That's like my next 
if like if I my had money ambition was to start my own like actual uh, like proper preservation, like trying to secure rights things and re-release things and you know, kind of keep them going forever, sort of stuff. Yeah, you'd be doing some some heroic work. I mean, like, do you, do you both know Cookies Bustle? Yes. Oh, I, I I know Cookies Bustle. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like another great example of like someone maybe having the rights to it and being a pain in the ass about it, and then it has to be piracy. It's yeah. I I love that little love that little girl. She's great. That little girl who's also a bear. She's an icon, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you're extending my amount of cookie bus- cookies bustle knowledge. Cookies, yeah. bus- cookies bustle sounds like an Amiga game. <laughs> that is, I know it is not, but that it's is really amazing. interesting. Like it, from a from like a an art perspective and a gameplay perspective, it's so weird because like there's at least from what I've seen of it, it's like there's there's like this like really big kind of tonal schism between what the game kind of presents itself as and also what it kind of is sometimes. Um, and I, I think that's really interesting. And, it's, and I think, I don't know if I would be as interested in it if um, if the rights holders weren't trying to be kind of scummy about it or whatever, because we still don't really know what what um, what's going on with it, right? Like, as far as I know, we don't really know what the what the deal is with it. But uh, clearly, someone does not want the internet to to talk about this this weird little little game. Um, and I think, you know, maybe maybe if that was the case, uh, or if that wasn't the case, rather, I wouldn't care as much. But it, it it's such a weird little charming charming little microcosm. Yeah, there's yeah. Uh, like there's. Also, like so much, uh, I think preservation also is great for the kind of uh, expanding the canon, I guess, or like not really. I feel like a game's uh, canon feels kind of narrow sometimes. When they, I, I I agree, yeah. Like there's the, uh, sorry, they they're just always the conversations of you know the greatest games, are the ones that had the bigger marketing budget. Right, right. Yes, uh, there's that part in like uh, that essay, divestment of video games industry. There's something to the effect of it's like, uh, the, you know, talks about the idea that if all these games are so broadly relatable, why do they have such large marketing budgets? You know. Yeah, like if if they if they were truly relatable, they wouldn't need that. They would just kind of, you know, be be there for everyone. Right. Like you wouldn't need to spend millions of dollars on marketing to convince people to play Call of Duty. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. Like it would it would be nice to kind of have examples of games that are a little bit less, you know, a little bit less of the of the norm in that way, that aren't spending millions of dollars on marketing and 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 advertising and stuff like that. Um, right. just especially for smaller creators like me because you know some of these games are doing the same sort of shit that i would like to do and i probably wouldn't even know about it yeah but you know it, it's <laughs> or it, but yeah there's like how do you uh there's very little space we, I mean, we talked about partially in the first segment uh 
with B. There's very little space you can even write and cover um, things that are not within that giant uh, marketed games level, you know. There's very there's very few sites that cover like quite niche things, you know. Like I, th- I think the two of the best sites for it. One is basically gone now, which was Fanbyte, and even then they you know they swayed more like triple yeah. I, as I prefer to refer to it as, which are uh, you know you devolve the digitals, which aren't really indie games anymore. No, um, no, no, they're like multi-million yeah. dollar companies, and all those games probably have multi-million dollar budgets. Yeah. And then there was Rock Paper Shotgun, which which does cover some like quite niche indie stuff, which is you know where where I yeah. pitch for my piece on indie apocalypse. But yeah. other other than that, there's a a big um, big hole for right. the the tiniest of games. I I, I think I mean if, from my limited perspective, I always think of like Rock Paper Shotgun as being pretty much the only uh, like larger site that gets that dives into indies like are they as far as i know they're probably also the only larger site that uh like covered a domino club stuff you know oh yeah and so it's like but there is you know they they actually have people that like dive into those niches of just like you know stuff that stuff that would people that I, you know would normally be like deeply celebrated as like within the arts you know yeah but absolutely there is a little uh the, the the arts space in games is even younger you know if we if you imagine games just had their uh, train arriving at the french station like 40 years ago or whatever how much longer yeah until we get our our more arts like focus if does it ever come did it come did games <laughs> mature at a bad time where god i hope not where like, god i hope god we can still make art games because if not that's going to be a, a sort of depressing capitalist nightmare for me right that's the thing the, the games which uh, and and think but i mean think of the the stewards of like uh the bigger names in games and how few of them uh, skew towards art stuff you know or champion yeah. arts works and like and that's that's not to be mean to press that's on both sides that's on press and develop and dev side you know yeah look yeah i i think yeah you you go you talk Uh, i was gonna say for for all the picking on games he did for for his admiration of like kyoto cosmology or whatever ebert's probably a stronger advocate for art games than most uh gaming personalities you'll see today I find it. I find the. I mean, I don't really see it anymore. But having yeah. seen, you know, the gamers uh, getting angry at his opinions on games, when I saw like a tweet recently about how he just liked to write about breasts a lot, and like we just don't need to take him that seriously. He was just a bit of a weird kind of kind of kind of guy. Right, a perfectly fine critic too. Uh, but like, but it's a it's a great example of like critics are people with their own tastes. Yeah. And he he loved schlock. He loved yeah. you know quite you know B movie cinema. And maybe if he lived on to see maybe you know I I think he would have been a fan of Indie Apocalypse, considering the the kind of variety of of things on offer. Not to say that Indie Apocalypse is schlock, but I think it's it's no. weird enough. No, it's there artsy. Is, enough. There is it's some stuff that's kind of schlock yeah. adjacent. Yeah, and I love it. And I love it because it is kind of like that uh, enthusiastic schlock. 
it's you know the the earnest thing coming back again yeah. i think indie apocalypse is is an incredibly like earnest thing it is is very unabashedly itself which is part of the the overall charm of it it's it's the indie apocalypse and what more can you say i would you believe it in the year 2023 somebody is giving a talk about surviving the indie apocalypse oh my really God. yes somebody who also knows what indie apocalypse is if you would believe it even more it's I'm like it's very strange because I, I I I have to do my due diligence and I search you know for indie apocalypse sometimes. And, yeah, uh, that makes sense. I have to do my uh, my name searching to keep things going. I've got that good SEO, you know. I'm I'm knocking it up at the top at this point. I'm I'm the king of indie apocalypse land, aside from the stupid game developer. <laughs> at least it, it mentions the myth of the indie apocalypse, so it's not like it's bought into it or whatever. But a change of pace, yeah, and it's also old, predates uh, my work. But it's you know, it is what it is, what it is, what it is. I'm not too uh SEO conscious. I took a weird name that people don't use, term that people don't use anymore, and it worked to my favor because it does not come up very often. Uh, and, and here we are. Yes, and here we are with uh, this whole thing. I'm closing all these extra tabs I have open of all um, as I'm looking for all these different things, trying to figure out. There is so much stuff going on, and uh, trying to figure out. Like I'm, I've, I've very much been expanding, like. And letting any apocalypse rise as it rides and it do its own thing and expanding more broadly out this year is my expansion year into other approaches you know yeah and i think that's i think that's an interesting um and i think worthwhile endeavor because i think you know uh as as indie apocalypse grows you know it, it's going to you know maybe maybe change the format a little bit like you're doing with uh with the cassette tapes and with the um or the cases i guess but you know physical releases and you know all this stuff on top of the the digital releases and it's a really it's a really neat idea i think again going back to we might we actually i think we talked about this in the in the pre-show a little bit before before any of the the audience could hear this but we were talking about how how cool of a how cool of a, a concept it is for the um, smaller developers to have kind of a physical release for their games now, um, instead of just kind of, you know, hoping and praying that maybe they'll get like a like a switch dev kit or something like that yeah. or, or something like that or a physical release elsewhere. Like, just any any kind of like physical artifact from the games is really cool. Um, at least to me anyway i think it's really cool to have that sort of stuff lying around right and i i also am not a so some of them are good but i'm just i don't like the vibes of most of the game publisher stuff <laughs> boutique game publishing stuff yeah i mean i i know a couple developers who work with them and you yeah know, i think you know more power to them but i i, I kind of agree in some cases like it a lot of the a lot of the emails that I get about my stuff are all are all kind of seedy. 
kind of. Oh, I, I didn't mean that. I meant um, they're they're just too like. <laughs> oh, I, I I get what you uh, mean. Yeah. Limited run, uh, super rare, on uh, uh, get them quick. You know, it's this whole like. Oh, it's like because it's like FOMO sort of where they're trying right, it's to all, kind of they're right. trying to sell you. It feels more like they're trying to sell you a product. Um, prior, like first and foremost. Right. Right. They're, they're selling you something. It's they're like they're. It's like they're all admitting up front that they're not going to. They're, they're not in for the long haul. That they're just right. That they're just selling yeah. a product rather than like being works of like meaningful physical preservation. Where it's like yeah, right, and and I think like that that's also in some ways anyway why i think people are seeing so many like re-releases and rehashes of old stuff too like going back to the final fantasy 7 conversation earlier like i think it's they're trying to maybe resell you something that they sold you a while ago and instead of trying to kind of preserve their uh their old catalog they're trying to um not only recontextualize stuff and try and kind of make the the i don't know the the most bestest version of whatever it is but you know they're charging you for it too yeah and i think that that's the that's the real reason why i would be sort of i I don't know hesitant maybe to to jump on that kind of bandwagon because i feel like if you're if you are preserving stuff or if you really want to kind of let people play this game um that you made maybe 20 years ago or something now like why not just kind of re-release it and charge 20 bucks for it instead of you know Uh, yeah it's just yeah yeah, you go the remaster is a i mean i'll I'll say in, in in this very particular game's defense you can buy it on you can buy it for like 12 bucks on everything well, I know, and yeah, and, and I yeah, know so, that, but like, but, like a lot but of in games, a lot of these cases, yeah, yeah it's right, like it's a like, lot. Um, there are there are games like the like the Mario one that was right. recent, um, where they they re released uh, Mario sixty four Galaxy one and yeah. uh, Sunshine, where like that that was very much to me anyway, like a very a very um, targeted like marketed thing. Right. It wasn't necessarily about the preservation. It wasn't about bringing this stuff to, you know, people who had never gotten to experience it before. It was really just about kind of pushing this IP and, you know, making a quick buck off of it. Right. And I, 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 I find that kind of particularly detestable. Yeah, it's, it's really weird that, like, you know, it's it's games need to adapt, like, the paperback and the bargain dvd model where like they they should always want to have their stuff always in publication you know and like With nintendo in in particular it's the the it, it feels like the, that particular collection was somewhat of a stopgap in between yeah. like odyssey and whatever the next one is because right. they nintendo like fully admitted that the nes mini and the snes mini were just to tide people over until the switch came out in between the wii u and the switch and to kind of boost sales a little bit and they can make a, a quick buck essentially right uh, and the, the point of like the kind of like limited run of of you know the the of indie games i think the 
3D All Stars collection was a a similar kind of thing of of, of buy now because it's for a limited time and then months after the fact you could get 3D All Stars in shops like you couldn't get it digitally anymore but it yeah. was still in shops for recommended retail price it was quite a time and a very classic Nintendo move yeah and I have no I have no idea if those copies even let you play the game anymore either like I don't know if the physical carts like stopped working or something they like, still I, work they, that, they we, do so, okay thank thank god for that yeah so my, my my partner like nintendo 64 she has a very like special connection to it because she she played a lot with her her grandmother um which is quite unique in that sense you know you don't hear a lot of grandmothers playing video games and so we got it just so she could like play it easily and comfortably again this was before they introduced nintendo 64 online which is another kind of scam that nintendo do um but yeah. they, they, it still works. Thankfully, it's just the ridiculous thing of why can't why can't you just let people right. buy it? And yeah, you can, I, I can kind of understand from the Mario sixty four perspective because they have the Switch online expansion pack now. But Mario Galaxy, you can't, and and Sunshine, you can't play those anywhere else. You can't play right. them easily. It's, I think a lot of it's just like our the the need to have like the, we still have three consoles, you know, <laughs> when. It should have all switched over to one format like forever ago. It's, it's very yeah. silly that we still have consoles. Cause that's I basically want... I, I want no like big three consoles. I just want more little, little weird ones like the Playdate. Just bespoke yeah. oddities that do a very specific thing. And maybe they don't even do it well, but they're doing it, you know? Yeah, and then one thing that is it's just a PC. And then like kind of like I have a Blu-ray player, you know? I just want a game player. Like sort of, like sort of a universal sort of format, I guess, right? Yeah. Like, I I think that would be that would be really cool, and I don't think we're ever going to get it as no. long as there are like four or five games companies that make consoles, right. and that and it, sucks. And and I don't think we're like I, I don't think we've gained anything in console fidelity besides maybe maybe load time since like the PS3 era, like I've. I've I've seen very negligible uh, like differences in like what get what like technology brings. Mm-hmm. There's bigger crowds or whatever. Whatever. Dead Rising had a lot of crowds, so it's yeah, think... like like Mario uh, Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. You had like 50 enemies on screen, and everyone was like, "Wow, that's really cool." Yeah, and 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 that honestly i think that's all games need is just more crowds of like a, a million little guys running around on screen they have they haven't justified their own existence i don't care about your pores i don't care if i can now see pores on cloud's face where originally he had no mouth uh, it doesn't add uh, that much or whatever like the, the the urge for graphical fidelity i don't know let's talk about kingdom hearts Oh, Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts, though. I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting close. I think if they, uh, so, I, I've, I'm a, a noted fan about. Oh yeah, remember when you follow us, Heartless, and there was like a lot of them, and then Sephiroth was there though too. That was pretty cool when Sephiroth was there. Yeah. pretty cool when sephiroth is there that's what i think often to myself when i'm alone it's pretty cool when sephiroth is there hey you know I, it, it was it was pretty cool when sephiroth was there yeah i 
like playing that original game, having not played it since I was probably, I don't know, 12 to 15, somewhere around that time. I'm like, oh, this is, I understand. It's, it's, it's interesting to like not be a child and like understand that character writing and stuff like that. It's always a fun thing to do. Whoop, I've got to go real quick. Yeah. Um, I'll be right back. But uh, it's a. I'm getting close to learning a lot of Kingdom Hearts. I think honestly. There. It's a... uh, sometimes worthwhile, sometimes not. It, it you know, you have the good things that say interesting things about yeah. surprisingly gender and found family and existence itself, and then sometimes you have Captain Jack Sparrow rendered in an uncomfortable detail. And sometimes Squall Leonhardt is there. Sometimes he is there, and sometimes <laughs> Sephiroth is there, and that's cool to think about. Yeah, I, I think well, I remember I was very fascinated with that second one because I was like, I and I because I really wanted to see like three D renders of the Final Fantasies that I knew the most, like those two D ones, and I was like, and I think they just had like Setzer in the the tournament thing at the beginning of two, and that was really it. They didn't really have that many like 3D renders of the old 2D fellas there. But no, mostly mostly the ones that they kind of still wanted to sell copies of potentially. But Square was weird about that. Like you could buy like PS1 copies of games from their site for like a long time. I wonder if you still can and, actually. And thank and thank God for that. I'm back by the way. Yes, I was welcome back. I was Thank so surprised you. when you could like still buy like Final Fantasy Nine like on the PS One, like uh, like not not like within the two thousands or whatever, like long a- like in like the PS Two PS Three era even. I think was was Final Fantasy Nine a PS One game? Yeah. Am I like Jesus Christ? It I I that never really clicked for me, but I guess you're right. It was. It looks great. <laughs> so it does. It does look great, and that's why I'm like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, it's the the strength of art design, you know. Jeez, Louise. Well, they are still selling PS3 games. On their that's on kind their of own, impressive. On their yeah. own site, they're still selling a Final Fantasy X and X2 on their site. So that's something. Something something I dream of. I would love. I would love more companies to actively encourage uh people to buy their games for technically consoles you can't even play them on but at least you can actually like buy them physically for recommended retail price or maybe cheaper hopefully cheaper but like 40 percent off copy of final fantasy 12 the zodiac age with all these little busts with a bust set of all the judges huh I don't want that at all, <laughs> but it's neat that it's there. But, um, yeah. But yeah, no, now I'm just looking at websites. Uh, go away websites. I have to close these websites I'm looking at. But yeah, it's uh, there. There, we need to have that good balance between because uh, stuff, you know, Corporate stuff is still made by people, and good stuff comes out of very uh, commercial ventures, and always has, and always will. But you need to have, you know, the balance of also uh, freak stuff made by weirdos. 
being like preserved side by side with it, you know? There, ha yeah, there has to be that kind of um, that kind of space in the in the creative world for like. I, I, I don't necessarily want to say hobbyist because some people, myself included, are small and we're also still trying to you know, make money off of this stuff. But, yeah. you know, I, I definitely like not not as corporate, like just just kind of smaller, smaller creatives, smaller artists. Like I there really has to be kind of space for for people like me. Right, right. Well, people without corporate energy, you know. Well, yeah. I hope I hope I don't have corporate energy. No, I no, thought. no. But like, even most indie games have corporate corporate vibes. You know, have the the vibe of like there there there's a genre. You know, there's the genre of game that is a free Amazon Prime game that I'm like, nobody's making these games. Where do they come from? They just, or, they just kind of appear. Right. But presumably somebody made them, and like you know, they're on Epic, and, and you know, uh, basically those free those free games you get from services occasionally if you're subscribed to services. I remember someone someone making a blog post or something on Cohost a while back about playing like this this version of Snake that they made for I think Stadia, like Google Stadia. Yeah. Yes. And and it was just like their testing game or whatever. But like there, someone someone had to make it. Like someone made that for Stadia to test this shit, and we had access to it for like a day. And now it's gone. But the the idea that someone somewhere spent like I don't know a couple hours to a couple days making this like piece of really um, really kind of. I, I hesitate to say shoddy because you know it's it's fine, but it's just this piece of game like software that very few people have ever gotten to experience, and it's made for a service, and it's that, so weird. It no longer exists. <laughs> it's a service that no longer exists, and like, why does this thing exist anymore? But it does, and and we have no idea, or I don't have any idea who made it. And maybe we never will. Right, right. It's a, it's a, it's a strange little thing. And I'm gonna, you know, there's, there's, there's so much. Now I'm thinking about games. It's like, do I just play? Uh, just sit down and my my call to action to all the listeners: just go play old. Spend some time with some old, like non-canonical uh, games. You know, help build a new kind of game canon in a way. It kind of it, it is a uh, play some spend some time on hardcore gaming one hundred and one and really like dig in there you know and really, it, really find some find some stinkers because that is like the mark of quality of like a game is when you're searching through it and that is one of the first sites that comes up because you're like yeah this is a game that uh, you know it's not to say nobody cares about but like in terms of people writing about it on the internet, it is probably at that it's probably just independent blogs and that is why Hardcore Gaming One One being larger, that's why they are the top result, because it's otherwise just just loose blogs writing about metal fangs. Or who knows? Honestly honestly I hope that blogs write about my games more than more than actual websites do. Yeah. 
I, I'm, I'm kind of glad that I only, I've only ever had like one experience with a larger kind of news publication. And that was like PC gamer in like 2018 listed a game called transmute, which I made before I made polymute. Yeah. Um, they listed it as like one of the best free games of 2018. Um, and since then they have listed it consistently on their list of best free games for like years and I have no idea who keeps updating this, if anyone does. Right. Um, but, like, I'll still get traffic from PC Gamer just because, like, they added it to this list one time, and I don't think they've ever taken it off. Um, and it, it's great. But by and large, I think I, I, I think I would prefer it if people actually kind of wrote about my games and were sort of passionate about it, you know? Like, they were writing about it from a place of love rather than a place of um i don't know sort of obligation right um which and i don't know i don't know how you feel about that b um as a as a journalist um i don't know if you have have different kind of opinions about you know writing about games but for me as a developer i think you know while while i do enjoy kind of getting getting attention from larger media outlets i think i i think i almost like it more if it's just kind of like weird weird little blogs talking about my stuff um i i I, the problem with being a, a games journalist and it's one that all of my peers and colleagues and friends also experience is that you never really get to write about the things you actually want to um you know, as, as we spoke about earlier, it's it's really hard to pitch niche things unless it has a really interesting or unique hook um, that will get clicks. Because it can have like a unique hook, but doesn't mean it's necessarily something that make will make people click on and, and read an article. Right. And it's a it's a frustrating and upsetting place to be in. Um, because so I you know, truth be told, I'm I'm generally looking to leave games journalism and more move into PR potentially um, as many of my my predecessors have done before me it is the classic games journalist move right um, because it's just it's not it's not very f- fulfilling most of the time most of the time I'm writing about uh, the you know the two sites I write for cover big games uh, e- even you know I had to to when doing an article for gamespot um, this week I I had to kind of Slightly, and it wasn't like done in the malicious way um, or anything. I had to slightly justify why we should write about a particular story, um, like what's what's the hook here, and uh, because because it's all it's all SEO, it's all SEO driven. You know, your your game transmute being on PC Gamer, the the reason it gets you can still get traffic from it is because those are the those are the kind of articles that actually fund most gaming sites. They it, it's guides and SEO content. Um, and yeah, it means most of the time we just don't really get to write about things in the way that we want. And uh, again, I, I think I think in the UK we have it a little bit better because we, like, we've got Rock, Paper, Shotgun and we've got Eurogamer as well. Eurogamer, I think, is doing some really, really great work. Uh, you know, they, they let me write about um, Stephanie last year um, for as, as part of like their best games of the, the year series. And that was very special to be able to do that, to be able to highlight again quite you know quite a niche indie game in the greatest scheme of things yeah um 
but it's really difficult to do that most of the time. And I only got to do that because I'm on good terms with the editor and, and he knows me and trusts me. Um, whereas any other editor, that might not be the case. Right. It's a, it's a, it's like, you know, it's, it's, there's a potential that these things could find an audience if they like, no, no game publication wants to be the one to nurture to spend, you know, the, how many years nurturing the niche audience, you know? Exactly. Cause like, it's, I, it's, it's hard to pull off because again, rock, paper, shotgun had a column of at some point, which again, highlighted maybe slightly more niche stuff, but it didn't do well enough. So they had to cut it and it's mostly Google's fault really. Yeah. And again, with the change to Twitter, as we've discussed a few times already today, it's like lots of people, the, the, the rich people are just constantly making websites worse. That's why I have to get my own websites. I I, I hate billionaires. <laughs> just just to just to to put a put a pin in that one. We all right. we all hate them. Yeah, the, yeah. The true the true bold stances here on Indie Pockles. We always maintain uh, uh, games are good, billionaires bad. Uh, the 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 standbys you can always kind of trust. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's always like as platform. The tricky thing is the the solution of getting off of platforms, and going back to like the more pre social media wild west sort of, hey, let's have websites with links to other websites on them and that kind of organic uh, discovery or whatever. With you know, there's still there's still chat rooms and forums and stuff, but they're not, they're you know smaller smaller communities. So you can't get like uh, the the reaches the the reach ceiling is smaller, but uh, perhaps it's more meaningful. Well, yeah. dedicated communities tend yeah. to tend to be the more fruitful ones, in in my experience and from what I've seen. Like I yeah, was, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I was looking. I was like, you know, the the growth of indie apocalypse and like just you can look at it through like the raw number on like you know the Patreon that it feels like very outsized compared to my engagement numbers you know and my follower counts because I think that it's, uh, I've I like to I like to think that I've spent a lot of time perhaps connecting more meaningfully to a smaller number of people and I think that's like where marketing is marketing I say is more effective rather than just like posting memes and discourse nonstop and then harvesting those followers and hoping some of them will care about your thing. Yeah. There, there are, there are so many I could, uh, I will not, but I could name a lot of like very high follower count developers that I've never seen a game shared any of their games shared by them or anywhere else, but I've seen them plenty of times. But I mean, like, that that's also another weird rabbit hole on Twitter is like yeah. these, these people who presumably work on games. Um, like, and I, I say this as, as a developer on Twitter, like there, there's kind of this group of people who kind of market themselves as consultants on on games and <laughs> yeah. they they list like one or two game projects on their on their profile and they they basically talk about how to make games on twitter and get followers from that and it always feels so weird to me 
seeing that sort of thing. And I, I, I know this is only kind of tangentially related to what you were talking about, Andrew, but it, it, I don't know. It's just something that I, I like to bring up every so often when I can, because I, I, I feel like I'm almost insane for thinking this, but like, what, what are those people doing? Like it, it's all, it's gotta all be like marketing or something, right? right? Like it's not, they aren't genuinely trying to, to, you know, teach people how to make games. They're just trying to kind of, you know, sell you a self-help book basically. Right. Yeah. It's the old adage. If, if somebody is selling you uh, like how to be successful, that's what they're selling. Cause the, if they were, if they had the secrets to success, they would just use them. Yeah. And I don't know that that's kind of the, the other flip side to it, I guess, is like, you have some people who are just kind of, you know, shooting the shit all the time on, on, on Twitter. And that's yeah. how they make a following. And then you have people on the other end who are trying to make a following by kind of selling their experience. Um, and, you know, I, I have no idea if any of them are genuinely like trying to help people, but it really doesn't seem like it. Yeah. There is a, the 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 speaker consultant class of um person of of game development yeah, yeah. or just anything i guess yeah. it's like tech tech entrepreneur right uh, right my 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 game my game marketing advice twitter thread is that it, whenever you see a game marketing advice twitter thread check the person's profile and if they've if they haven't worked on a game that you care about don't even think about what their marketing has to say same same thing with any kind of criticism right. i think like if 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 it's something where it's like someone you respect like by all means take their critique but like especially as again as a developer like if if someone's kind of saying your game is shit and or any of your work really is shit and you would never in a million years ask them for advice on it like who cares? Like, let the, let that go. Right. I I think about the time I was at an event and somebody was playing uh, one of the Indie Apocalypse games and they said, are you looking for feedback? And I said, no, I did not make the game and I also do not want feedback. And then they said nothing until they stopped playing and then they spat a bunch of feedback at me and left and I did not listen to them. <laughs> There's a, uh, it feeds into that same culture of like, you know, game developers are always looking for feedback when I think they rarely are. You know, they don't need as much feedback as they're given. But speaking of feedback, we're here to, uh, yeah, yeah, shit. Back myself into a corner. What I'm trying to say is we've been running this show long enough. It's time to shut down. We've been going for a while. Uh, uh, Link or B, thank you both for being here. Unless you have any 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 last pressing pressing matters to attend to, I'm gonna shut this show down and wrap it up. Rather, I'm 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 good. Uh, maybe buy my game on Steam or Itch. Yes. Oh, fantasy flip side. Yes, we're getting into that. That's actually the segment we're getting into here. Oh. So we'll start, Linker. Where can people find your stuff? <laughs> What's going on? Oh, thank God. Um. You can find me on uh, co-host at, at Linker, um, on Twitter at LinkerVM. Um, you can find my games on Itch, or you can look on Steam for Elephantasy or Elephantasy Flipside. Um, 
any any purchases of any of my stuff is wonderful but by all means you know don't feel obligated to um yeah that's me uh perfect i i'm realizing that i typed i i've had this thing floating on the screen the entire time and i think i typed it wrong i think it's tapes not tape what a fool i think it's indiepockets.com slash tapes uh V, yourself, what have you got going on? Where can people find it? Uh, I'm at Boy With Windmill pretty much everywhere, including the bird site, which is, I guess, where I'm most frequent. Other than that, I have nothing to sell, so you should just buy every issue of Indiepocalypse, and you should support Linker's games as well. That's Perfect. that's all I got. Perfect. Do you, Thank do, you. Do, you, do you do anything else on uh, Twitch.tv, perhaps? You might want I do to... actually. I, I I do actually also stream with my partner at Gazebo Kids. Um, uh, yes. We stream the relatively regularly. And delivery. Uh, let me just. Check it. Um, yeah, we we stream all sorts occasionally. Mario, as I mentioned, um, that is that is, I guess, the closest thing I have to a, a passion project in this industry. Something, yeah, the closest thing to something you enjoy. You know. Oh, you know what? I'm so disappointed by. The fact that Twitch doesn't have auto hosts anymore, because um, I used to thank I used to follow people and then like auto host their stuff when when because Indiepocalypse is on like uh, you know two hours a week. So in case anyone ever found their way to the Twitch page, they would find hopefully somebody else there. But I think Twitch doesn't let you do that anymore. And it's like, what's the point of that? Yeah, they make a lot of things worse all the time. But speaking of making things worse all the time, if you want to make things oh, better no. all the time, might I recommend you purchase a copy of Indiepocalypse? You know, it's a good thing. Uh, there's there's a lot of them. There's 41 issues available for sale in total. There's uh, if you buy if you go all the way back to the library and buy issue number 12. Uh, you can get and support Linker here with some amount of money at some point in time, you know, for that. You, and you you also um, potentially support another trans uh, trans woman uh, who is the person who did the music for Polymute, uh, yes. Izzy, who's one of my friends. Um, I mean, really, if you hit any Indiepocalypse issue, you're probably going <laughs> to be supporting You're going to support a couple, a couple yeah. uh, trans people, a couple right. queer people. Anyone, the uh, Indie Apocalypse, the unofficial yearly queer games bundle. Uh, just because it's weird, you know, uh, when you collect, when you're collecting work by uh, underrepresented, by kind of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of people who are just stuck or who are shunted off into the margins of the industry. Weird how so many of them end up not being, you know, just regular white dudes, you know? Says something about society, I'm sure. So, someone else can unpack yeah. that. Someone else can unpack that. I'm but a humble game publisher. But uh, speaking of humble game publishing, if you would like to have your game in Indiepocalypse, it's really easy to do. You just go to Indiepocalypse.com slash submit and submit your game there. I say it's easy to submit it. Whether it gets in or not uh, sometimes is more difficult. Uh my advice, if I have any, for getting in, and there really is no get into Indiepocalypse advice, but my advice would be something to the effect of um, uh, 
I don't know, just make the thing you want to make. I don't want to be a little guy collecting gems, you know, or whatever. Something that feels more distinct and more, I don't care if the controls are weird. I don't care if it doesn't make sense. I kind of appreciate kind of like an unapproachability and like a deeply personal and self-indulgent work more than, I don't know, you trying to make a good game what in what you think society thinks a good you know the market thinks a good video game is and you can buy uh uh, uh any pocket physically now as of yesterday uh my my boxes arrived during the show the the tape cassette boxes i ordered but you can buy Indie Apocalypse. I, it's not on cassette, but it's, I put a little USB stick inside of a cassette case, and I think it looks really cool if you're watching the stream. You see it kind of spinning around there uh, with this very custom-made GIF I made. Uh, it's IndiePocalypse.com slash tapes. Uh, and that's it, really. There's, there's a Patreon slash Patreon. There's newsletter slash newsletter. You just kind of go to IndiePocalypse.com slash whatever, and you find the thing. Folks, get your own website. It's a handy thing. Or at the very least, get your own URL, you know? Just just park a URL and just redirect it to other things. It's nicer than having a card, you know? Or, you know, card, that which is to say with two R's, or a link tree. Nothing works more. For, I mean, even if you want to do that, there's nothing stopping you from making your own link tree in, like, three seconds on your own web page, you know? Making, uh, adding text in links, easiest thing to do on a website. Nothing's nothing's easier to do on a website other than I guess text without links. But that's it. The shows I'm gonna stop rambling on about this show uh, and wrap it up. Uh, Linker B, thank you both for being here one last time on the show, or not one last time being on the show, but more like one last thank you for being on the show. Thank uh, you, thank you for having me. Thank you. And I'm gonna bid you all farewell. Goodbye. <laughs>